Thank you for joining us today. For more information about our service times, visit okoegt.com. Also, stay in touch with us on social media by liking us on Facebook and following us on Instagram at okoegt. Now let's prepare our hearts as we go into the message. Now take your Bible and turn with me, if you would, to Luke's Gospel, chapter 2. Luke's Gospel, chapter 2, began reading in verse 8. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them, Do not be afraid, for I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. You will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let us go to Bethlehem and let us see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all of these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. On this Christmas Eve... Lord, I pray that our hearts will be open, that we'll see this story with fresh eyes. Holy Spirit, speak to us. Amen and amen. In Luke's narrative, chapter 2, it opens up with these words. At that time, the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. The normal activity of living in the first century under Roman rule. Others were dictating your steps. The phrase, at that time, the Roman emperor. Now, little did, little did the haughty Roman emperor and his officer, little did they think that they would be instruments in the hand of God, the God of Israel. And that they would be carrying out the eternal purposes of the king of kings. Little would they think that they would be helping to lay the foundation of a kingdom before which the empires of the world would all fall down one day and declare allegiance to 
One theologian writes this, the heart of every believer should take comfort in recalling God's providential rule of the world. And he continues to write, uh, a Christian should never be greatly upset by the conduct of the rulers of the earth. He should see through the eye of faith, a hand that is overruling all that they do to the praise and to the glory of God. For you see, in Bethlehem, there was going to be born a child, the Christ, the Messiah. There was a dilemma. Joseph and Mary lived in Nazareth. How would they get from Nazareth to David? David's hometown, Bethlehem, through a decree of the Roman government. Joseph had to travel to Bethlehem. Why Bethlehem? Luke 2 verse 4 says, because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem and Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. So Luke immediately informs his readers of the lineage of the child who's to be born in Bethlehem, connecting the birth of Christ to the Old Testament promise of the awaited Messiah. In the Old Testament, the book of Micah, chapter 5, verse 2, there's a little prophecy that says, But you, O Bethlehem, Euphrates, are only a small village among all the people of Judah, yet a ruler of Israel whose origins are in the distant past will come from you on my behalf. Now, Micah used the name Bethlehem, Euphrates. Bethlehem means house of bread. Euphrata means fruitful or to bear fruit. And in the context of biblical literature, fruitfulness often symbolizes blessing and prosperity. So out of this little obscure village of Bethlehem would come one who was truly bread, the bread of heaven, and who would bring true blessing and prosperity to one's life. You remember it was Jesus who said the words, the thief has come to steal, to kill and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and life more abundantly. Jesus would identify himself in John's gospel chapter 6 as the bread of life. Here in Bethlehem, it's such an innocent, pure scene. The emphasis is on Mary. Verse 6 and 7 of Luke 2 says, While they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. She wrapped him in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger. You know, today we've softened the idea of the manger. Today we've made it look all sanctified and holy, but the truth of the matter is the stable that they were 
at was probably a cave where the shepherds would pin the sheep up at night and this and this this stable was probably this manger was probably more of a feed trough because there was no room for them there was no lodging this happened in the public place with other travelers and and residents morrison would write this Men were trafficking and, 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 and little children playing and, and women gossiping beside the well. And lo, the kingdom of heaven was among them. People going about their daily business not realizing the king had just been born. Barclay said this, that there was no room in the end was symbolic of what was to happen to Jesus the only place where there was room for him was on the cross. It is here that we see the grace and humility of Christ. Had he come to save mankind with royal majesty, surrounded by his father's angels, it would have been an act of undeserving mercy. But to become the very poorest of mankind... As low as the lowliest could get, this is a law which surpasses understanding. And let us never forget that through his humiliation, Jesus has bought for us a title for glory. You have a deed. You have the deposit of the Holy Spirit that says, I'm, I'm, I'm headed to heaven. <laughs> You've been deposited in your spirit, the spirit of the living God which is the title deed to your future glory. Remember, it was his poverty that has made you rich. The apostle Paul would write many years later to the church of Corinth in his second letter, chapter 8, verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich through his poverty through his life might become rich rich with eternal life give me a little liberty here as you go with me in your imagination to heaven right before the Christ is to be born heaven is busy the angels are being summoned. I can imagine my mind's eye, possibly one angel asking another, what's the meeting about? <laughs> We're being summoned. What's going on? Heaven has a ground, a grand announcement. Heaven is abuzz with a monumental declaration. And can you fathom the astonishment of the angels as they witness the events unfolding on our earthly plane? The sheer wonder that they must have felt because they seen the word. They knew who the word was. They knew that he was God. They knew that he was the son. They knew that he created all things. And now they're carrying the announcement that he is coming into his created world. 
the word manifesting not as a great warrior or triumphant general leading a vast army, but instead appearing as a delicate newborn, swaddled tenderly in strips of cloth, being held by his creation, his mom, Mary. Astonishing. Verse 8, again, that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. Notice that. The radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded, enveloped the shepherds. They were terrified. The angel reassured them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born in Bethlehem, the city of David. This is how you will recognize him. You will find a baby wrapped in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Now, isn't it fascinating that when God chose to announce the birth of the Messiah to the world, he did not inform the rich or the famous or the powerful leaders of the day. Instead, he chose to announce the birth to shepherds who were tending their flocks nearby. In all probability, theologians tell us that the sheep that they were tending were the ones that were to be used in temple sacrifices later. And the shepherds of Palestine were considered to be the lowest class of people. And the nature of their, of their calling prohibited them from frequent participation in the religious rituals of their day. They were discriminated against with respect to the law and courts because a shepherd's witness was not considered to be a lie, a liable witness. They were considered to be so unscrupulous and untrustworthy that their testimony was of little value. But the angels came to them. The angels announced it to them. The whole premise of Christianity is that he became poor, that we might become rich. He came to those that society had rejected, that society had regulated to nothing, society had discounted. And maybe you're here today and you feel like the world's discounted you. Maybe you feel like you're here today and you don't really matter. Hear me, you matter to the Father. You matter to God. That's the premise of Christianity. The angel said, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. This is the first recording in the New Testament of the preaching of the gospel. The good news of great joy for all people. Huh. The glory of the Lord shone round about them. If you study that in the original, it's as if the glory of the Lord encompassed them, surrounded them, enveloped them. 
We have this reference in the Old Testament of the glory of the Lord through the cloud coming on the Mount Sinai when Moses received the law. We also have the reference of this glory cloud uh, coming whenever Moses entered into the tabernacle and people would stand at their, at their tents and they knew that the presence of God had come down. We also have reference of this whenever Solomon dedicated the temple that he had built. And as they dedicated the temple, the, the presence of the Lord through the, through the cloud came and, and the priest could not, could not minister by reason of the glory cloud. In the New Testament here, there is, there is semblances and there is a reference here to where, to where these shepherds are enveloped in the glory of uh, the Lord. They were not allowed to go into the temple, but the Lord came to them. They were not allowed to go into the Holy of Holies, but the Lord came to them. It was just a foreshadow of the Lord opening up the way that you and I can enter into the glory cloud, that you and I can enter into into the presence of the Lord that you and I by faith can go into the most holy place. This is the mystery of the incarnation that should always override our tendency to turn Jesus into a cuddly baby that we can handle and control. No, he's the Christ that we must come to worship and bow down and ask him to take the lead in our heart. These angels saw something that day. They heard the announcement of the angels. Christ has come to bring peace. Today, my prayer is that you will experience peace in your home, peace in your heart, peace in your life. For this Jesus, this Jesus who was born, Isaiah said, his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. The angels hurried to the village. There was no delay. No hesitation. They hurried. My hope and my prayer is this. As we close out 2023 and we, we enter to 2024, that we will, we will hurry to do the things of God. That we will hurry to see who this Christ is and allow him to have full control. I promise you, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither has it entered into your heart what God's prepared for you. Hurry to see, to see this Christ. And after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. Can I leave you with this thought? Tell people what you have seen. Tell people what you have heard. Tell people what you have experienced. Tell people what you know to be true. Tell everyone. See, I took a journey in the spiritual realm to Bethlehem. I looked and I saw. 
and I surrendered. Tell people how he's changed your life. Tell people how he's turned your life around. Tell people how he restored your family. Tell people how he restored your mental capacity. Tell people how he restored your, your emotions. Tell people how he brought healing out of brokenness. Tell people what Jesus has done for you. Tell people how he brought you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Tell others how he healed your son and your daughter. Tell others how he restored your marriage. Tell people what he has done in your life. Tell others what he has done. They went back to their flocks. They went back to shepherd the sheep underneath their care. Moments like this are beautiful. Moments like this are powerful. Sometimes we wish moments like this we could allow to last forever. But there comes a moment when we have to go back and do the assignment that God has given us. Be faithful to the assignment that God has given to you. Let us bow our heads in prayer. In just a few moments, we're going to take communion together. Communion is open to all believers. You do not have to be a member of Glad Tidings to take communion. But you must be a member of the body of Christ. How do you become a member of the body of Christ? By accepting this child. By believing in your heart that he is the son of God. By believing that he came. Born in Bethlehem. Lived an ordinary life like any child would do. Yet he was the son of man, the Messiah, the Christ. You must believe that he died for you. But he's no longer in that tomb. On the third day, he arose again. For if you believe in your heart that Jesus is the son of God, you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, you shall be saved. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. This Christmas Eve, I cannot think of any better time to commit your heart or recommit your heart to the Lord than on the eve of the day that we celebrate the birth of the Christ. As our head is bowed and our eyes are closed. Maybe you came here today. You're carrying the weight of your past. You're carrying the guilt of yesterday. Maybe today you're concerned. Should you pass away? Would you make it into heaven? 
Jesus came so that you might know and be assured. If you're here and you say, Pastor, I want to commit my life to Christ. I want to rededicate my life to him. This Christmas Eve, I want to know that I know that I know Jesus is Lord. Oh, I fear God. I know God. But have you surrendered to him? If that's you, just lift your hand right now. God loves you. I see those hands. I see those hands. God loves you. God's working. I see that hand. God's working. Holy Spirit, you're working. Holy Spirit, you're working. Just say this simple prayer with me. Jesus, I give you my life. I surrender to you. I believe you died for me. I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you arose on the third day. I surrender to you. In Jesus' name, amen.